How many of you got to pick your name? When you were born, did they ask what name you'd like to be called? Now, how did you get your name? From your parents. You got your dad's name. You're a junior? All right, any other juniors here? Oh, you're the only one. Very special, Jerry. Very special. Yeah, we don't get to pick our name. We, we are given a name. A name is important. A name gives us a, a vision for our life. It gives us meaning. We have four children, Vangela and I. Vangela is, is working this morning. She's not able to be here with us, but it's an interesting, uh, delicate dance, let's call it, choosing a name for your child. You go through these like lists. If you have done this, you kind of go, ah, here's my faves, and then you compare it with your wives, and we both have veto power, right? Based on weird things. One of mine was so, so crazy. Evangela's like, but this is my favorite, but why? She's like, help me understand, and I really couldn't give her. I just had this gut feeling of like, nope. I don't want my kid getting picked on, you know? And it's like, wait, every kid gets picked on, like, you know, like that's not going to stop kids from picking on them. We have four kids. Hunter is our oldest, and his name, I, what I loved about his name is it means huntsman or one who provides, right? Keaton was our second son. Keaton was a different meaning. It meant um, a place where hawks fly or one who seeks adventure. And it's interesting, Keaton is the child out of the four that when they're on the, the monkey bars or they're on the playground and you do one of these, you cannot look away because he's jumping before I can even get my hands out. He was the one that would just leap before thinking where like my firstborn would be like, get to the edge, you know, and be like, come on, you can do it. Finally, you're just like pulling their arms forward. So they would get off the thing because there's kids waiting. Pierce, my third, born, my third son, he's right here. Pierce's name meant boy who cries. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know I love you, son. Uh, I'm going to pay for that one later today, probably. His name is a derivative of Peter, which means rock, or a person with a strong foundation. Our third child is, our fourth child is precious, our little daughter. Some of you may know her story of while well, my wife had cancer and she was carrying precious. The doctors tried to get us to abort the child, and we said, nope. And then they told us what's going to happen to the child with all the cancer treatment and therapy and all that stuff. And we still said, nope, nope. And so we, we named her Precious, which her name means one who is loved, a person of great worth. And she is and continues to still be this day, to this day, a, a miracle when I see her. Now, your name adds value. Your name has meaning. And how many of you were named after a family member, like Jerry? How many of you have a name of a family member in your name, maybe a middle? Yeah, it's very common that your name has a connection to your past, your history. A name can have vision. A name can be a part of your, your history. And a name can also get, be a compass for your future. Vision and history and be a compass. My name is Jason John, J-O-N, no H. And John, and I was named after a cousin of, of mine who previously had died shortly after birth. And his name was John Jason. And so I didn't know that until I was like a teenager, you know? Like, why does my name not have an H? Everyone like, thinks I'm like related to like the bathroom for some reason or something. Like, so it's like, no, Jason John, you have a meaning. And that was pretty cool. 
The year was 1990. A baby boy was born, a healthy baby, blue eyes, soft skin. The only thing he lacked was a name. You see, his parents never gave him a name. His birth certificate simply said, baby boy. Last name, Pawson, P-A-U-S-O-N. Soon after his birth, his father left, never to be seen again. The boy's mother was in and out of homeless shelters and single mother housing. The stress of raising a child and being unable to keep a steady job caused her to give in to many things, namely drugs and alcohol. At age 15, the boy with no name, he ran away, never to return. His mother's name was Maxine, so many of his friends and teachers just simply called him Max. His only escape was comic books, Harry Potter, Chronicles of Narnia, and drawing imaginary characters. Max says growing up without a name seemed to define how people treated him. It became a sort of an identity for this blue-eyed, curly-haired young man. Names are important, yes? One of my favorite movie scenes involving a name is from Gladiator. When the gladiator in, 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 in the arena, he, he defeats you know, his, his adversaries, and finally the evil Commodus, Emperor Commodus, he is asking, what is your name, Gladiator? You know, and he says, Gladiator. And he's like, what is your name? And he, he's, not, he's facing away, and he takes off his helmet, turns to face, and obviously Commodus sees who it is. And he says, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix legions, and loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius. Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife. And I was like, let's go right then and there. I'm like, just let's just get it on. And oh man, that just gets you fired up. Each name has a purpose. The truth is there is a name above all names. It's, that name is Jesus Christ. God the Father knows the power of a name. Adam was given the important task of naming animals. And it says that he had the mind of God, that God and Adam were one. They abided in each other, and, and Adam had God's mind naming animals. God even gives people new names, which is a beautiful thing. He renamed Abram, Abraham. Jacob becomes Israel. Jesus even did this. He met a fisherman named Cephas, and he gave him his new name, Simon Peter. Saul of Tarsus becomes Paul, the missionary and church planter. The theme of God as Father and his people as children is all through the Bible. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says, We are called, named, and labeled, sons and daughters of God. We are called a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. I hope you can own that this morning. I really hope you can feel it in, in, in the bottom of your heart and in, in the very bones of your body and soul. You are called. You are named. You are labeled a son and a daughter of God. 
You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a person who belongs to God. In Isaiah 49, it talks about, I sing for joy, O heavens rejoice, O earth burst into song. O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their suffering. Yet Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child that she has born? But even if that was possible, God says, I would not forget you. That's a promise you can take to the bank today. In Isaiah 49, 16, it says, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. Always in my mind is a picture of Jerusalem's walls in ruin. I mean, if that's not prophetic, written your name on the palms of my hand, the very hands that were pierced for our transgressions. God's love for you is woven into every page of Scripture. There are so many meanings and so many things we can take away from God's Word in definition of His love for us. This is kind of crazy. I, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a Messianic rabbi, Jewish rabbi, trained, studied, but he believes Jesus is God's Son and the Messiah. And the only way to heaven is through him. And so his rabbi, rabbinic brotherhood, don't really like him very much. When he goes to conferences and things, he gets treated, he says, like, like dog, like a dog, like worse than a person because he believes Jesus is God's son in the only way. And I, I love the guy because he teaches me about scripture, things I just didn't know was behind the meaning. And he says, he, he kind of pointed me to a couple things that I want to share with you. He says, in Matthew 5, 17 and 18, and I was telling him about this message and about just the names of God and God and his, his every page has something about God's love for us. He says, you need to read Matthew 5, 17 and 18. It says, think not that I have come to destroy the Torah and the prophets. This is, these are red letters. This is Jesus speaking. Think not that I have come to destroy the Torah, five, first five books of the Bible, and the prophets, I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. What he's saying is that the rabbis will, would say, and when they teach scripture, that we will not fully understand Scripture, have a full meaning and understanding until Jesus returns. And when he returns, he will explain the passages, he will explain the words, he will explain even the letters and the spaces in between. Every jot and every tittle, every dot and every T that's crossed, Every word and the spaces in between, Jesus will define, will explain. And I think there's some pretty cool meanings when you look into that and what it means. Now, I'm not saying take whatever you feel Scripture means and make it personal and make it your own. That's, that's blasphemy. That, that's actually false teaching. 
we must understand and, and know, you know what Scripture means. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of books and commentaries. I think what I appreciate about Pastor Sam's teaching is he's really like a theologian, but he's also like uh, a professor where he can explain and he can break something complex down for me to go, oh, and the metaphors are awesome. It blesses me, brother. I just really understand things better from your teaching, and I appreciate that. I was, I was looking at a, a study of the names in Scripture, and Chuck Missler, he did a Bible study, and this is some material taken from it. It's in Genesis chapter 5. That's where we're going to be today. And basically, it's about the gospel hidden in the names of Genesis 5. And it's, it's hidden in the meaning of the names, just like I shared my, the meaning of my four children's names. So let's just take an example of that before we get into Genesis 5. Who's the oldest man in the Bible? Pop quiz. Methuselah. Yeah. Oldest man in the Bible. Any, anyone know how long he lived? 900. Anyone want to guess? 960. 969. 969 years it said Methuselah lived. Now, Here's a riddle. Here's a riddle. How is it that Methuselah was the oldest man in the Bible, yet was outlived by his father? His father not God the father, but by his own father. Methuselah comes from the word muth, M-U-T-H, a root that means death, and from shalak, which means to bring forth, to send forth. So the name Methuselah means his death shall send forth. Strange name for a kid, right? You know, think about the meaning. Now the great flood of Noah's time was actually not a surprise. It had been preached about for four generations. Enoch was given a prophecy that as long as his son, Methuselah, was alive, God's judgment of the flood would be withheld. But as soon as his son died, the flood would be sent forth. So that's the prophecy Enoch received. Methuselah is born. Imagine every time that kid got a fever. He'd be like, honey, you take him to the doctor. I'm going to go buy a boat. You know? You're like, is he okay? Okay, that's good. But the prophecy was given to Enoch. And indeed, the year that Methuselah died, was the year of the flood. Check your Bible timelines. And if you understand Enoch, Enoch was taken up to heaven, never died. A human death, you know. Hence the riddle. Now, let's get to Genesis chapter 5. All this meaning behind the the name of Methuselah, I wonder what else we can discover today. So, this is Genesis 5 chapter 1. This is the book of generations, of the generations of Adam. Adam's name means man. Adam's name means man. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Verse 2, male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man. When they were created, verse 3, when Adam lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Seth, his name means appointed the appointed one. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years. 
and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Verse 6, when Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh, which means mortal or incurable. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Now, when Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan, which means sorrow. You see where we're going to this? You can see, I think there's a slide. Maybe, I, maybe I'm not ready for it yet. Means sorrow. So Enosh, verse 10, lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years, had other sons and daughters. All the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. Then, verse 12, when Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalalel. Mahalalel, his name means the blessed or praised one. El means God, the blessed God, so the blessed one. After he fathered Mahalalel, 840 years, he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he started really young, he fathered Jared. Hebrew, in the Hebrew, the verb for Jared means shall come down. Jared shall come down. Mahalalel lived 830 years, had other sons and daughters. Mahalalel lived to be 895 years and then died. Verse 18, when Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch, which means teaching. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years, had other sons and daughters all the days. He lived to 962. Then he died. Now, verse 21. Let's, let's just see where we are so far. Go ahead and go back, a, go back a step. Man is appointed mortal sorrow. It's part one. The blessed God shall come down teaching. It's already forming a pretty good sentence, thesis, yeah? And so verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah which we already learned his death shall bring. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. When Methuselah lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech, which means despairing or lamenting. So Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years, had other sons and daughters. He was 969 years old when he passed. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son. His name was Noah. Noah, his name means comfort or rest. And it says, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. All the days of Lamech were 777 years. Then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Enoch walked with God. Not a, casual, not a, not a real casual stroll, but for 300 years. In Hebrews 11.5, it says, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he, could, he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. 
Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. If you want a reward today, friends, seek God out. Seek out the meaning of his love in Scripture. Seek out relationship with God's people. And bless one another with your gifts and your talents and your friendship. This is the gospel message hidden in Genesis 5. Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. Man is appointed mortal sorrow. The blessed God shall come down, teaching his death shall bring the despairing comfort and rest. You can't make this up. These words in any other order wouldn't make sense, would they? It's a great reminder that no matter how crazy life gets, no, no, no matter how dysfunctional you feel, God always has a plan. Turn to someone and say, God has a plan. God has a plan, even when life doesn't make sense. Here's some observations that I've made on this text. When, when did God first think of you? God obviously orchestrated this to have some meaning in between the lines maybe a little bit today. Ephesians 1.4 answers that question, when did God first think of you? Before the foundations of the world, God had you on his mind. If that doesn't make you feel special, I don't know what does. God had you on his mind before the foundations of the world. God told Jeremiah, I knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. power of a name, the power of being known. When you're known, you feel that you belong. When you belong, you feel like you've been touched by love, yeah? One of the coolest names is, is King Kamehameha. King Kamehameha, if you've ever been to this Paradise Island, you've probably heard the name many times. Where, where am I talking about? Hawaii. Hawaii. Who wants to go to Hawaii with me? Who wants to pay for the airline tickets? Ah, I see that hand. <laughs> yes, King Kamehameha. Now, if you ever go to Washington, D.C., my wife and I, we actually got to run a kids camp when we were in college for about four years in um, Alexandria, Virginia, at her father's church. And it was a, um, we would always go in this kids' camp, we would take them on the coolest, like, field trips. We would go to the Smithsonian. We would go to these cool museums. We would go to Fort Belvoir's pool every day and swim. It was just very much government and military, and it was awesome. Most of these kids, their parents were working for the, 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 the nation. They were working in government, or they were officials in military. And so we took the kids. One of my favorite places was the... I got a, the Capitol building, the U.S. Capitol building had a hall of statues. 
And I, I just, for whatever reason, I just love statues. I think it's because when I was a kid, uh, somebody, my uncle, he had two things. This is actually my uncle who um, had uh, John Jason, who I was named after, Uncle Russ. And he had in his house a huge statue of a knight, you know, in shining armor, kind of armor knight. And next to it was a black bear that was standing like this, you know, and it was like up there, right? It was tall. He shot it in Alaska. So this knight and this bear just made me always have this fascination with statues. And so when we took the kids to the Hall of Statues at the U.S. Capitol building, uh, there are some pretty cool, each state has one or two statues of famous people from that state or who founded or who established that state. When you go to Hawaii, it has two statues. One, we know, which we saw, King Kamehameha. But the other one, a little lesser known, it was Father Damien. Father Damien is pictured right here. And Father Damien was a Catholic priest. And his story is when Europeans first came to these beautiful islands, one of the worst things they brought with them was disease, including leprosy or what they originally called it uh, Hansen's disease, or later called it Hansen's disease. It was particularly um, really strong among the, the, the Hawaiians. And so it spread like wildfire. And so they put these people who had this severe disease on an island separated from them. And they were known as the untouchables. The untouchables. Those who were severely deformed by the disease the uh, remote peninsula on the island of Molokai. Did I say that right? Molokai. The colony was a cesspool of suffering and sickness. But this young Catholic priest, Father Damien, he volunteered, raised his hand and said, ooh, pick me to go and serve the lepers. He was warned to keep himself, right, from touching the lepers, but he couldn't do that. Soon after he contacted the disease, uh, during his first sermon, after his diagnosis, he said to the congregation, we lepers. He lived and ministered among the lepers for 16 more years with that disease, laying hands on them and praying for them and loving them. He died at the age of 49. Before he died, he was able to help raise money and build a modern hospital and improve the lives of lepers uh, greatly. Father Damien, driven by a love for God and for his fellow neighbor, lived among the untouchables. He took their illness, and it killed them. That reminds me of what Jesus did for us. He came to earth as a pure, sinless man. He chose to live among us. He healed many people of disease, and he took our disease of eternal condemnation. Sin. Yet he still made a way for us to be sanctified, to be purified, to be justified. Here's the bad news. We all suffer from a condition that makes us untouchable. We all have this disease. Separates us from God. The good news is Jesus changes everything. Amen? He changes everything. Because of amazing grace, our very names, our names, those who choose to follow Christ, 
Our names are written in the book of life. Think about that. Your name, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, is written in the book of life. Heaven has a guest list. Are you on it? I pray to God you are. I hope you are. Jesus has sent you an invitation. The question is, will you accept it? Will you send your RSVP in? There is power, power in the name of Jesus. Amen? Um, Psalm 148, I'll close with this scripture and we'll pray. It says, Let them praise and exalt the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted and supreme. Supreme Commander Jesus. His glory and majesty are above heaven and earth. It makes me think, who are the untouchables in my life? Who are the people I struggle to love or even like? Maybe it's a dysfunctional family member. Maybe it's someone who's hurt you. And there's just a little sliver of unforgiveness and bitterness still in your heart. Maybe it's people that are choosing to be homeless, people that are stealing and, and, and kind of pillaging the, the neighborhood. It really ticks people off. Maybe it's immigrants. Maybe it's people from a, another walk of life who don't choose to live the way you live or vote the way you vote. Maybe it's Chicago Bears fans. I don't know. God bless them. Who in your life needs to be lifted up today? Who in your life needs your touch? Who needs to be spoken life? Words have meaning. Names have value. Who needs to be lifted up in your life? Who is God leading you to love this week? If you have not chosen to RSVP with Jesus today, I just want to say a simple prayer and invite you to follow Jesus. So with uh, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just simply want you to repeat after me if want to say this prayer for the first time or maybe for the most recent time as a way to recommit. And I would just ask if you're already a believer, would you say this out loud as well as a way of just recommitting and affirming your faith? So let's say this. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. Thank you for your love. Thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, I choose to follow you. I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you are God's only Son. Forgive me of my sins. Touch my heart. Touch my mind. Touch my soul rest of my life is yours, Jesus. Amen. God, as, as, we, as 
we focus on your love and the amazing grace, Jesus, you have offered us, I just ask that you would welcome our brothers and sisters, anyone that maybe prayed that prayer for the first time or for the first time it was real to them. I just pray, God, that you would welcome them. Help us to be good family members. Help us not to be focused on our own needs and desires, but help us to to look to others, to love our neighbors as much as we love you. And God, may today be a day that is remembered in the halls of heaven, in the book of life. I pray, God, that you would give us new meaning and understanding of how we can walk out what it is to be called sons and daughters of God. Thank you for our name. Thank you for giving us hope. In your name, Jesus. Name above all names. All God's people said. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. And we uh, we really appreciate you. We love you. Have a great day. God bless. If anybody wants prayer, there'll be people up here at the corner here to pray. <laughs>